we sin, it always hurts God, it hurts us, and it hurts others. And you've done everything on your own and you've, you've hit rock bottom. And the reality is, and some of you might be saying, you know, I'm not in a storm. And that's great because one's probably right around the corner. Because you're either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm. So how do you... to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelife.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. We are in a four-week series on the book of Jonah. Today we're on chapter two. Let me catch us up to what happened last week and just kind of review in case you weren't here. Jonah was a prophet of God. What was a prophet? A prophet was somebody that would speak on behalf of God. And Jonah is known as the uh, prophet that ran away from God. God gives him this call upon his life to go to Nineveh. Now, why Nineveh? Nineveh was a city. It was a great city. It was the most powerful city in the world at the time, and it was full of sinners. They did horrific, barbaric, cruel, mean, ungodly things. And God is calling Jonah, an Israelite, to go and go to Nineveh and call out against them and let them know, hey, if you don't repent, if you don't change, God's judgment is going to be upon your life. Jonah does not go to Nineveh. He gets ready to go to Tarshish, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction he's running from God. And what does he do? He hops on a boat. The boat uh, experiences this crazy storm that God causes to grab Jonah's attention. And we talked about the fact that sometimes God in his grace and his power and his authority and his love, he will send a storm our way to grab our attention. Now the storm happens, the sailors that are giving Jonah a ride end up throwing all their possessions, their cargo overboard. And we talked about the reality that when we sin, it always hurts God, it hurts us, and it hurts others. And Jonah gets to a point where he finally takes responsibility for his life and he says, hey guys, the reason for this storm is me. I'm running from God, I'm a prophet. And so throw me overboard and the sea's gonna, the sea's gonna calm down and that's exactly what the sailors do. They take Jonah, they chuck him overboard and the sea calms down. And then in the last verse, it says that God provided a fish or a well to swallow Jonah. And I love that because last week, what we talked about is, is, are you running from God? And where do you need to take responsibility for your life? And I love this because Jonah is swallowed by this large fish and he's in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. What is it pointing to? It's pointing to the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah that would come hundreds of years later, would die on the cross. We would go to a grave for, for three days and he would rise because the entire Bible, don't miss this, is about Jesus. The entire Old Testament is pointing to the fact that we are messed up sinners and we need a savior and Jesus is coming. That's the whole Old Testament. Jesus is coming. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what's it about? Jesus is here. Acts, 
Holy Spirit's unleashed. The church is here. The church is God's plan A to reach the entire world for Jesus. And then the rest of the New Testament up to Revelation is how to live a life for Jesus. And then Revelation is all about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And so the entire Bible is about Jesus. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, how do I know the story of, of Jonah is historical fact that it's true. It's, we, we got the book of Jonah, but how else do I know? Well, it's also somewhere else in the Old Testament. Second Kings chapter 14, we see that Jonah uh, was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam. We see it in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaks to Jonah, and this is or about Jonah, this is what he says. In verse 40, he says, for just as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the son of man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He would have not used Jonah's account if it was not true. So it's historically accurate. We see it in other places in the scripture. We also know that science has shown us that there are large sea creatures, whales, fish, sharks, that can actually swallow human beings. Right? You've got great white shark. You've got blue whales. You've got the sperm whale. The sperm whale doesn't even chew its food. And we know that's possible because I've seen some of you guys in a restaurant before, right? You don't even chew your food. You just take a bite. You're like, right? Some of these whales do. So it's possible that Jonah could be in there for three days, three nights. But also, if that's not enough, just recently off of the coast of California, there were a couple of kayakers going whale watching. How many of you saw this story in the news? A few of you. Uh, and two of them got swallowed just for a moment by a whale. Now, let me, just, let me just say this. If you ever go well watching, that's great. Don't go on a kayak, all right? Don't go on a paddleboard, all right? Uh, wouldn't it be, actually, we got video footage of the kayakers getting, they were okay afterwards, all right? They didn't get chewed up. They got belched out and they were fine. It's just a moment, but check this out. Here's these kayakers. Slow motion, here we go. There's two responses to that. Some of you are like, oh, that's horrible. Some of you are like, man, that's awesome. I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna go get my in-laws and encourage them to go whale watching where this took place, right? Wouldn't it be cool if we had like video footage of like the person that actually was getting swallowed? That would be, actually we do, check it out. Here's the video footage of somebody getting swallowed. I love the response of you guys. You, some of you are like horrific, and then you got people in the front row just laughing up a storm. You know, ha! Losers, right? They deserved it. Here's the point it can happen. We know the story of Jonah is true, it's real. And what I love about Jonah is not the fact that it was a real story, it actually happened. It's a story that we all relate to. Now, we don't know exactly what happened uh, in Jonah's heart, but Jonah was resentful, but most likely in, in the well, he was not broken. See, when you're broken, not only do your actions change, but your attitude changes. See, you want to do the will of the Father. When you're broken before God, you're broken for your sin, you're broken for your mistakes, and, and your attitude begins to change. Mark Batterson put it this way when it comes to prayer. It says 100% of the prayers that go unasked will go unanswered. When's the, the best time to pray? That's right now. 
And Jonah is in the belly of a well. He's tried everything himself, and he doesn't know what to do. I, t- I pray today's message is encouraging for you. I pray that it will unleash the power of prayer in your life, because this is the reality for some of you today. Some of you guys are, are like Jonah. You've done everything on your own, and you've, you've hit rock bottom. And the reality is, and some of you might be saying, you know, I'm not in a storm. And that's great because one's probably right around the corner. Because you're either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm. So how do you pray when you're in the middle of a storm? What do you do when you have no place to run? Three points. Number one in your notes is simply this. Jonah is real before God. Jonah is real before God. Lots of times we try to sugarcoat it and make ourselves sound really spiritual and spectacular, especially in front of others. We want to act like we have it all together. And here's one of the things I love about Shelter Cove is so many people come to Shelter Cove and after a couple months, they'll say, hey, the people are just so real. Why? Because we don't pretend to have it all together, but we are desperately chasing after Jesus. We, we want Jesus, we crave Jesus, we admit that we've got mistakes, that we're messed up, that we're a bunch of sinners that desperately need Jesus. But Jonah is real before God, and this is what he says. It says in verse one, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. Where's the best place to pray? Wherever you're at. It doesn't matter. A lot of times we think, oh, I got to be spiritual. I got to pray in a church. No, you pray at home. You pray in the grocery store. Some of you really need to start praying when you're driving. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) You pray anywhere and everywhere. The best place to pray is now. Jonah prayed in the belly of a wish. Daniel prayed in the lion's den. Some of you just pray wherever you're at. And then it goes on in verse two. It says, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Now, here's the difference between this prayer. This is a prayer of affliction based upon what's going on on the outside. God's getting his attention. Prayer from the inside is a prayer of affection. It's his heart. We can see later in the story that it really doesn't grab a hold of his heart what's going on. God doesn't really uh, see Jonah, this, this man that's praying with any kind of affection. It's just affliction. And then he says, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Sheol was what? The place of the dead. Jonah's probably saying, I'm pretty much dead. Maybe he's even thinking, I wish I was dead. Some of you have been there. And it's in that moment, Jonah is being as real as he possibly can. And he cries out to God. What's the simplest prayer you can pray when you hit rock bottom? It's help. God, would you, would you help me? And here's what I love about Jonah. He knew that, that God was going to answer him. He, he, he knew that he was reaching out to, to somebody that had his best interest. And God will always answer our prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's not right now are the answers. And we will think that when God says no or not right now, that God's not answering our prayers. But God is for you. I want to say that again. God is for you. He wants what's best for you. He sees the big picture. And I think about how many of us, when we were in high school, were like, oh, I just want to marry my high school sweetheart. I just want to marry my high school sweetheart. God, help me marry my high school sweetheart. I just want to, and it doesn't happen. We're like, why God? Why God? Why God? God? Why? Why? 20 years later, we look at Facebook. We see our high school sweetheart and we're like, thank God I didn't marry my high school sweetheart. Right? Just keep it real. Sometimes we get so bent out of shape, but God is for you. He always answers your prayer requests. You know, it's, it's one of those things as, as parents, one of the best things we can do 
is encourage our kids to first and foremost pray to God because God will always answer. You know, I, I, I crack up when I see people trying to look for a sell signal sometimes. They're like trying to get one bar, just trying to get one bar, looking for a bar, looking for a bar. When you pray to God, there's always five bars. He is always accessible. As my, my kids get older, I tell them, hey, you know, dad, dad will always do my best to be there for you. But there's going to be times where you call and, and I'm, for whatever reason, I'm not going to be able to pick up my phone. But God will always be there for you. And then it says this in verse 3. It says, for you cast me into the deep. I love that. Because here Jonah is not saying, hey, the sailors cast me into the deep. No, God, you did. You've been in total control over the situation ever from the very beginning. You've had control of throwing me in. You had control over the storm. You have had control over my life. And then what he does is he goes into details a little bit about this. Into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me and all your waves and your billows passed over me. I love this because Jonah's just praying right where he's at. He, he's, and what is he praying? He's praying scripture. He's just, he's just reciting some of the Psalms. Here's a guy that, that knew the Psalms. He knew scripture and he's just praying to God what he already knew. That's some of the things that I do at times. And that's why it's so important for us as a church to be in the word, to memorize scripture. There's times where, where I'm like, man, God, how are you going to figure this out? God, God, how is this even possible? Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond whatever I can ask or imagine. I find myself just quoting scripture. Here's what Jonah did. He quotes scripture, Jonah 2, verse 2, um, he's quoting Psalm 18, 6. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, I heard my voice. He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. He's just quoting scripture. Go to verse, verse 3, he's quoting Psalm 42, verse 7, deep calls to deep. And the roar of your waterfalls, your waves and your breakers have swept over me. He's literally just reflecting on scripture, praying scripture. Sometimes when you don't know how to pray, what do you do? You just quote scripture. Here's a guy that had hidden God's word in his heart. And it's amazing how pain has the power to grab our attention and encourage us to pray. You know, one of the greatest places to pray is when you're all by yourself. Jonah was, was all by himself. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, and shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt, pain as God's megaphone is a terrible instrument. It may lead to final and unrepented rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. There's something about pain that grabs our attention. Now, some of you right here uh, today, and those of you watching online, you might be thinking, you know, I'm not, not in a storm right now. I'm not, I'm not running from God. I've, I've, I'm, I'm in community. I'm, I'm doing really well. Here's what I noticed about Jonah's life is prior to the sailors, which weren't really his community, he had no community. He didn't have any, have any friends in his, his life. And let me just pastor you just for a moment. God's doing something radical in our church. You guys are bringing your friends, your family members. People are coming to know Jesus, which is great. We don't want um, here at Shelter Cove a bunch of converts, 
We want people that are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Because when the storm comes, we want people to be anchored in the word of God. Now, here's what needs to take place for that to happen. I believe one of the greatest ways that life change happens is not simply in rows, but in circles. And we're gonna be launching a bunch of different cove groups in the fall. We're gonna have groups for you to be in community, men's group, women's group, marriage groups, high school groups. One of the things I'd love to have is a group for our college students where college students can go to a home and hang out and dive into the word. And you're thinking, well, what do I need to do? Provide food, they'll come, all right? <laughs> They're college students, right? Just love on them, invest in them, all of that kind of stuff and watch what God does. And so we've got a QR code up here. Everybody get out your phone just for a second. Get out your phone. If you wanna just take a selfie, feel free to do that, but get out your phone just for a second and just scan this QR code because for some of you, one of the callings that God has been putting on your life is to be a host or a leader. Now to be a leader, you don't need to know the entire Bible. You just need to, to know how to facilitate a conversation about scriptures and we will train you, we will help you, but some of you need to take a step of faith in your journey with Jesus. It's time to pour into others. You've been poured into for such a season. It's time for you to pour into others. So you can scan that QR code. Tammy Rhodes is our group's director. She's out in the ministry mall. If you've got questions, go talk to her after the service. If you walk by her and ignore her, she will take you out. I'm just warning you, okay? Jonah is real before God. Point number two in your notes is simply this. Jonah refocuses on God. It's one thing to be real and just let it go there. What does he do? He refocuses on God. He said, man, my attention, my focus, it's now turning to God. He doesn't want to live independently of God. And some of you know that because for this last season, you've been living independently of God. Yeah, you've been going to church. But when it comes to the weekday life, you've been living life based upon your wants, your desires, in your liking. And this is what Jonah says in verse four. He says, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Why is the holy temple so important? Because that, that was where God was. Presence of God was, was in the temple and the holy of holies. And he said, man, I'm, I'm refocusing on you. And then he goes on and says, the waters closed over me to take my life and the deep surrounded me and the weeds were wrapped up, uh, about my head. And in verse six, he says, the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. I, I love this. He, he remembers the Lord. It's kind of like the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. There's a story of two boys one of the boys says to his dad, dad, I don't want you, I want your stuff. It's one of the biggest insults you could ever give to a father. So the father gives him his inheritance early. He goes and he spends all that money on wild living. He wastes it away, he parties until he has absolutely nothing left. And he is literally feeding the pigs and that food looks appetizing. And he remembers, it was so much better with my father. It's Jonah right now, it's so much better with the father. This young boy says, I'll go back to my father uh, and see if he'll hire me, <coughs> excuse me, even as a hired man. 
And so he goes home and his father sees him and his father chases after him. That's a picture of God, what he does for us. God is constantly chasing after us, constantly pursuing us. But something changed in his life when he says, I remembered the Lord and he heard my prayer and he came to you into your holy temple. Again, I'm, I'm refocusing on you. And there's five core values we have as a church that will allow us to stay focused on God. And here they are. Number one is simply God's word. We always have been, we always will be a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. When somebody speaks up here, we want God to speak. We want you to hear God speak, not that the person speak about what they think, because who cares what I think? I want you to hear what God says. I want you to be in the word on a regular basis. I want you to be memorizing scripture. I think about prayer, that we would have a devoted prayer life individually and collectively. Prayer is our way to converse with God and talk to him and let him talk to us, community. Again, being around other people, I think one of the greatest ways Satan deceives us is for us to have a mindset that I don't need anybody else in my life. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, one of the worst things you can do is be a Lone Ranger. That's exactly where Satan wants you to have nobody in your life that says, hey, you're acting like an idiot. Hey, you're acting ridiculous. You're acting like a fool. Hey, you need to stop it. Hey, you need to knock it off. People in your life that love you enough to tell you the truth and that you can do that for other people as well. Again, life change happens in circle, community. So my closest friends are, are simply people that hang out in, in my house on Tuesday nights. They're, they're in my cove group serving. Why is that so important? Because it allows us to focus on God. It allows us to focus on others. And then generosity, it's a way where we focus on God and we trust God and we love God. And we want to put God at first core values. I believe that when we participate in these five areas of our life, we will be healthy and healthy people grow. Yes. What did Jonah do? He was real before God. He refocuses on God. And this is so important because for some of you, you're going to enter into this season where, where life is crazy, where, where the temptation is going to be for Jesus to be an afterthought because you just want to get away on the weekends or your kids are going to have baseball games or, or tournaments. And there's going to be times in your life where you're going to say, you know what, it would be great for us to do this as a family. But in order for us to get refocused on Jesus and stay focused on Jesus, there's going to be some things in our life that we would like to do, but we're not going to do so that Jesus can be the number one priority. Amen. You know, there's too many Christians that have bought into this cheap version of Christianity where I'm going to serve God and I'm going to worship God when it's convenient when I want to, and when I've got nothing else to do. What would it look like for you, like Jonah, to refocus on God? And then thirdly, what does Jonah do? Jonah recommits himself to God. Jonah recommits himself to God. Here's Jonah, it's a pivotal time in his experience and he realizes one of the, the biggest problems he had in his life was idolatry. Um, idolatry, I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, an idol is anything that takes away from God the affection and obedience that rightfully belongs to him. Affection and obedience. And here's Jonah in verse eight, this is what he says. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope 
of steadfast love. They, they turn their backs on what they could experience from God. God never turns his back on us, but there's times in our lives where we turn our back on God and we don't experience the blessing, the hope, the love, the grace, the mercy, all that God offers us. A couple other translations put it this way. NIV says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. The New Living Translation says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. What were some of the idols Jonah had in his life? We don't know exactly, but I imagine there were two. One was patriotism. He was all about the nation Israel, so much so that he didn't believe or desire or want for God to change the hearts of outside nations because they were so wicked. He, he, he elevated <clears throat> Israel so much where he's like, this, this is my idol. And some of you are, th are thinking, you know what? I, I don't really struggle with patriotism that much. I'm proud to be an American, right? Some, some of you are like proud to be in the United States. That just came out. That did not happen at any of the other services. I apologize. <laughs> it will not happen at the 1130 service either, all right? So you're, you, you love being in America, but you're like, patriotism isn't really an idol. What about politics? Boy, if there's ever been a season over the last three years, especially in 2020, man, I saw so many Christians make an idol out of politics. Now, please hear me. It's important that we are involved in politics. It's important that we don't have our head in the stand. It's important that we are standing for truth. But there were so many people that devoted their lives, hours. Every conversation was about politics, conspiracy theories. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like there's idolatry out of politics. I think about Jonah. He also made an idol out of himself. Why, what did he worship? Comfort. What he wanted, what his preference was, what, what he wanted to do. And I believe that is the single greatest idol that people call themselves Christians worship today is, is the God of self. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey your scripture as long as I want to. God, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna live a life that honors you with my sexuality is as long as I'm still free to do whatever I want. Friends, that's not what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we've got to get to a point where we get off the throne. Jesus goes back on the throne and we are not only refocusing on God, but we are recommitting our lives to Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says this in verse nine, but with the voice of thanksgiving. Now, how could he be thankful when he's in the belly of a whale? probably because of the fact that he's not dead. Some of you are here today and you're watching online and it's only the grace of God that you are not dead. There's no reason why you should be alive. You've done so many stupid things that you, you should have been dead several times. But you can be thankful, why? Because you're alive. Not only are you alive, you're sitting in church. You're worshiping Jesus. And boy, I'm, I'm amazed that when we grab a hold of gratitude, it changes our attitude. Here's Jonah at the lowest of low. And he's like, I can still be thankful because I'm, I'm just, I'm alive. And then he believes that God is not done with him yet. 
And he goes on and he says this, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will pay. I love this. What did he vow? He vowed to be a prophet. He vowed to tell the truth. Now, when did this happen in chapter one? No, well before chapter one. When God wanted him to be a prophet, he made the vow, he made the commitment to say, you know what, I'm gonna be your spokesperson. Whatever you want me to say, I'm gonna say. Whatever you want me to do, I'm gonna do. Wherever you want me to go, I'm gonna go. And then what does he do? He's called to go somewhere he doesn't like and he runs the opposite direction. He's like, man, I'm gonna renew that vow, what I vowed to you. And some of you know what that's like because you gave your life to Christ years ago. You vowed. Today, you're, you're not walking with Jesus. It's all, about, it's all about you. What would it look like for you to be like Joan and say what I vowed? I will pay Christ. I'm going to recommit my life to you. And then he goes on and he says this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah realized something. The only person that could rescue him when he was in the pit of the well was Jesus. The only person that can rescue us from our sin, the most dire situation we could ever experience, separation from God, the only person that can make us right with God is Jesus Christ. It's not anything you and I could ever do. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we work for. Jesus has done all the work on the cross. And he proved it was good enough when he was dead. And three days later, he rose from the grave, proving victory not only just over sin, but over death. Jesus has to be the hero of your own story. You are not the hero of your own story. Why? Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then what happens after he admits this? Verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish. And it ralphed Jonah up upon dry land. Threw him up. And I love this because here at the end of chapter two, God's not done with Jonah. This isn't the end of his story. God's not done with you. This isn't the end of your story. And I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what burdens you have. I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but what would it look like for you today to say, God, today, man, I just want to be real before you. I quit pretending and I want to refocus my life on you. I've been distracted. One of our pastors, John Harder, he's gone home to, to be with the Lord. He was a marriage pastor. He would often say, boy, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. What would it look like for you to refocus, to recommit your life to Jesus? Here's the last question I want to leave you with. Do you need to recommit or commit your life to Jesus? That was Jonah. He ran from God. He finds himself in a place he never imagined. And he didn't stop with just being real. He didn't stop with just refocusing. He re commits his life to God. Now, some of you are here today and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is for you. He loves you. That's why he came. 
And today could be the greatest decision in your life to accept, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not anything you do. It's, it's a gift. You receive him. And you get off the throne of your own life and you say, Jesus, you're in, you're in charge. I receive your grace, your forgiveness. You call the shots. Make me into the person that you want me to be. For now on, I'm living not for myself. I'm living for Jesus. The only way to be right with God the only way to escape hell is to have a personal relationship with Jesus by faith. And some of you are here and you've done that in the past. But you found yourself running, or maybe not even running. You've just drifted. And the current of life has taken you to a place where you can't even imagine you would be. And what would it look like for you today to say, and Jesus, today, what I vowed, I want to make right. And I want to recommit my life to you. And I want to serve you, knowing that today is not the end of your story, and Jesus wants to rewrite it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for, thank you for the Bible. You use so many people that are just so relatable. They were messed up. They disobeyed. A lot like us. And yet your love and your grace and your forgiveness is right in front of us. God, we may turn our back on you, but you never turn our back on us. And so today, we just want to say thank you for another opportunity for us to be real, to refocus, and commit or recommit our lives to you. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, you're here today, and you need to either commit your life to Jesus for the first time, or you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You already know what you need to do. It's just having the faith and the boldness and the courage to actually do it. It's not the special words. It's a, it's a prayer that's real. It's a prayer that's heartfelt. It's a prayer that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. And in the best way that I know how, I'm turning to you. I'm focusing on you and I'm turning away from sin and self. And I admit to you today how much I need you. And so I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your second chance. And I give you total control of my life. And I ask, I beg, I plead that you would make me into the person you want me to be, not the person I want to be. So today, would you have your way in my life? Yes, Jesus. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but today you want to rededicate your life to Jesus or dedicate your life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand and look at me? If that's you, just raise your hand and look at me. Good, 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 good. Hands all over the place. Is there anyone else? Five, five more seconds to change your life. 
say, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand and look at me? Good. 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 God, thank you so much for the hands that were raised. Hearts that were changed. Holy Spirit, would you help us in our weakness? It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, we had several people that made a decision. Can we just appreciate those that made some kind of a spiritual decision? Maybe some of you in the loft online made a decision as well. Here, here's what I'd love for you to do. If you made a decision, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. There's somewhere upstairs also. And on the back, there's a, a box where you can check off that you made a commitment or recommitment uh, to Jesus Christ. If you just fill that out and bring it to our New to Shelter Cove table uh, outside in the ministry mall, we'd love to encourage you, help you with your next steps. There's something powerful about making a decision and writing it down. This can be a pivotal point in your lives. Also, we've got life group hosts and leaders signups. Feel free to talk to Tammy. You can sign up online as well. One more time for all of those that made a spiritual decision. Can we just show them some love today? Come on. Well, hey, enjoy the heat. God bless you, and we'll see you next weekend. Take care.